good night and good game, your source for geek news for the week that was. I'm your host, James, and with me as always is my wonderful co-host, Hector. Hello. All right, and this week, after the news, after I get a cat out of my way, we're going to be talking about Jedi Fallen Order and Jedi Survivor and why these stories are some of the best Star Wars stories of all time. Yeah, guess yeah, what? Two up. video games made some of the best Star Wars that we have ever seen, ever played, any of that. But before we start, don't forget that you can head over to goodnight.gg, where's a patron of our show. You can suggest topics for us to talk about. Uh, we just got done recording two episodes uh, for our patrons. We just did oh, one yeah. on uh, with The Last Dragon. The Last Dragon, <laughs> a wonderful... Uh, uh, black exploitation movie that is pure martial arts uh, Chinese it's cinema it's wonderful so much fun and then we, our second one is Eat Man and these Eat are going to be coming out later um, so expect them over the next couple weeks in the weeks that we are not recording our primary podcast mm-hmm. you can head over to our Patreon and go ahead and pick them up there yep so with all that out of the way it is time for the prelude Prelude. Hey everyone, welcome to the Prelude. It's time to dive into what we've been up to this week, what we've been playing, what we've been watching, what's been occupying our free time, and what has been making us happy. All right. What's on your mind, Hector? What have you right. got for oh me? Oh God, I have a bunch. Um, so, uh, man, what haven't I talked about since the last time we did one of these? I recently, oh God, there's so many. I recently <laughs> finished The Bear. Yeah. The bear was great. Bear we've we've both seen the end of the bear season yeah. two. Um, some of the best television ever made. Um, watch it. Hands down. If you have not seen the bear, it is so good. Yeah. Let's see. What else am I watching? I'm going to do rapid fire. I don't need to describe a lot of this shit to you. What sure. we do in shadows is back. I'm keeping yeah. up with that. It's amazing. So good. Futurama is back and it hasn't skipped a fucking beat. It is exactly like Futurama has always <laughs> been. And I love that. I love awesome. that so much. I've been much. putting up watching it, so I'm excited about that. It's very good. There's like three of the new episodes now. They've <laughs> all been great. They've all been great. Um, what we do in shadows is back. Uh, I think I said that. Um, let me see. What else am I watching? Uh, not a whole lot. I recently watched The Silo. That's a really cool show. It's an it's Apple a, TV Apple, show. Yeah, yeah I, I think like Fallout, the show, if you stayed in the vault. Mm, and then that's my shit. that's my elevator that's pitch. That's the, the whole concept. That, that's the whole elevator pitch. Okay, cool. Okay, yeah, so um, video games. I have been playing Final Fantasy uh, 16. 16. It is very good. We're both playing that we one. Um, you're almost done. I, I think am. I'm. I think I might be around halfway. <laughs> um, I'm not super sure because I've recently picked back up an old addiction of mine, and that is Ghost of Tsushima. Oh, um, I I went back to that game the way I go back to like old shows that I want to watch again because it's been so long since I've seen them and they're like the best shows. The way that you would go back and watch something like The Wire or something like The Sopranos Mm. or something like The Shield. Like going back to a show and like seeing it uh, through new eyes Mm -hmm. from like a new perspective um, but something that you love so much. That's how I'm feeling about this game. I I picked it up having played it when it came out and played it again when New Game Plus came out, mm-hmm. when the DLC came out, and like I just found myself wanting to do it again and to like psychologically really put you there. Mm-hmm. I started a brand new playthrough. Wow. No New Game Plus. I, if I want something, I have to go get it. I have to fucking go do that thing again. And I love it. I love living in that world. I was listening to a really great YouTuber today, Strategy, ask what a what makes a good open world game. And I think immersion is what it is. And when you play that game, it's just immersion. 
Mm-hmm. It's immersion all the way through. There's no mini map. There's no menu. It's just you in the environment. It's just you in the environment. Like, like, and, and it's, it's deeply, deeply immersive. And I fucking love that game. And if you have a PlayStation 4 or 5, 5 especially, just get the game and play it. I cannot recommend it enough. Even if you hate open world games, if you are at all a fan of like old, like Japanese samurai movies, I'm talking like Akira Kurosawa stuff, this is your game. It's amazing and uh, you should play it. I've played it three times and I don't repeat open world games. Like it's, right. it's that's ridiculous. A, that's a high recommendation there. Bud. Yeah. So those are the games I'm playing and the, and the TV I'm watching. Um, we both saw Barbie recently. We did. Yeah, it was great. Loved it. It was fucking awesome. Go watch yeah. it. I, we won't say anything about it. It's going to hit a billion dollars at the box office this weekend. Yeah, as it deserves. As to. it deserves. It deserves more than that. Fucking yeah. A, a incredible movie. Go watch it. All right. I'm going to try and rapid fire some things myself. Uh, we've been playing Overwatch 2 as we always do after work. Oh, yeah. Uh, we got done with Overwatch 2 just mm-hmm. because we finished our battle passes. Yep. We moved Moved on to a very small game we're going to talk about later in the show called Remnant 2. Oh, yeah. Absolute Loving banger. That, that banger is an of absolute game. banger. A lot of fun. Uh, I've been playing Street Fighter 6. I picked that up this yeah. week. I got my fight stick behind me. Uh, old faithful from Street Fighter 4. Uh, so, yeah, I'm playing some Street Fighter Evos this weekend. So, I'm mm. super excited about that. Evo um, is in less than 24 hours. Less than 24 hours. We're going to be watching Evo at work at our office tomorrow. Um, I got the, I watched the end of Ted Lasso. Absolutely oh, fantastic. Oh, thanks, show. fuck. Yeah. Start to finish. Do recommend if you've never seen Ted Lasso, what are you doing with your life? Yeah. It is one of the most wholesome shows ever. Shows a real uh, deal, guys. So. Um, then we have things like uh, we went and saw a couple of movies. We went and saw mm-hmm. like, The Blackening. That was fantastic. Loved that. Oh, The um, Blackening was yeah, so good. It was it was so good. So there's a, a lot of stuff that we've done, but that's what we have uh, for you this week. Uh, hang on. We, we need to do one more. Oh, what do you got? We went to see Talk to Me. Oh, we should talk about that briefly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very briefly, um, Talk to Me is a A24 horror movie made by some former YouTube stars um, who used to make, like, stunt videos. Very, very good horror movie. Very scary, very, like... Lots of ghosts, uh, Australian, like like a little bit indie, mm. but like man, what a great time in the theater, especially if you're a fan of horror. Like the this is a fucking is cool simple. movie. The premise is like a bunch of kids have this essentially haunted hand. Yeah, like, and... like a ceramic like mannequin hand. Yeah. And they can use it to speak to the dead. And yep. they just do stupid kid shit with it. And one yep. of the things that I want to praise this movie for, and this is going to sound weird, it is a movie about the paranormal that does not have its roots in religion. Yeah, there's no religion anywhere in the movie. No one yep. even has a, no one wears a fucking cross. Yep. But like, it, 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 yeah, they, they have this hand. Teenagers get a hold of a hand that lets you talk to the dead. And what do they do? They treat it like a party drug. And exactly, like a, yeah. and, and a thing to get views on TikTok with. Yeah. Like it's it, it's amazing. It, it's very cool and it makes like like the movie's good. It it's is good. so worth it. It's already made like ten million dollars. Yeah, go see like, it in theaters. See it. it is so good. For first time directors, holy fucking shit. Yeah. I loved it. All right, that's everything we have for the prelude this week. We're gonna take a small break. When we come back, we'll be going into our news segment in the weekly raid. <laughs> The Weekly Raid. Hey everyone, welcome back to the show. It is time for the Weekly Raid, your roundup of this week's geek news. Kicking things off this week, Donald Glover has been tapped to write a Lando Calrissian series for Disney+. Now, if you've seen any of Atlanta, you are going to be in for a fucking treat and should be excited about this. 
Uh, let's not forget if you've seen Solo, which I know a lot of you didn't. Um, if you've seen you Solo, you should. He is the best part. <laughs> so, so, yeah. So Solo is a pretty cool movie if you're a Star Wars nerd, um, and even if you're not, it's a pretty great heist movie um, set in the Star Wars universe. But the standout is Lando Calrissian, played by Donald Glover. Oh, it's He's so good! Incredible. And apparently, one of the big things behind the scene things about the him playing Lando Calrissian is that he originally did approach Billy D. Williams and had spent time with him before the movie, mm. and was like, "Hey, man, I've got this daunting task. I got to play a younger version of you." Yeah, and like if you watch. Um, Empire, and you're mm. you're mostly just looking at Billy D. Like that's a performance, man. That guy owns every room yeah. he's standing in. That guy, like, it's the he's kids, a, it's he's the kids a fucking scoundrel, is he what he is. is, and it's beautiful and it's very well acted. It's, and I love Billy D. and everything he's oh, in, absolutely. but Lando is like. Like, like that's a that, that's a character. As, he as built the, that character. Yeah, I, I I love everything about his character, and I appreciate that Donald Glover went to speak with him beforehand. Yeah, um, Donald, Rutter, Donald Glover writes good, and is. I think he's going to write good Star Wars. Absolutely, I believe in it, and uh, I got to say, like as, as the children would say these days, Lando Calrissian, if nothing else, has Riz, mm. and that's mm. the thing is that when Donald Glover went to talk to Billy D. Williams about it, he said, "What's the 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 thing about him?" That, that I need to embody. And Billy D. Williams is just like, you got to realize he's just a swab motherfucker. Mm -hmm. You know, like that's it. That, that's yeah. what Lando is. But that, that that's all of it. Like whether yeah. he has the goods or he doesn't, yeah. it's just a swab motherfucker. Absolutely. He will either give you what you want or he will fucking talk you into thinking he gave you what you want. Exactly. So I'm super excited about this as a series. You know, this it's a great way to open this episode because we're going to be talking about great Star Wars by the end of this. Yeah. And this has the potential to be some of the best Star Wars that we've seen. I'm so excited for this. Uh, it's So it's almost spooky season. And it you know what close. that means. Yeah. It means schlocky horror films. Fuck yeah. At the end of this month, at the end of August, you can head to your local theater and see the horror comedy called... Slaughterhouse. Okay. Sloth or house. Sloth. Oh, that sounds awesome. The description is as followed. When Emily adopts her adorable sloth, she realizes the animal can serve as the sorority house's new mascot and help her win votes, dubbing the animal Alpha. The new pet is a beloved addition to the sorority house until a series of deaths point towards the sloth as the prime murder suspect. The film becomes a survival story of sisters versus sloth as the girls wonder if they can make it out of Sigma Lambda Theta alive. What? I don't care who you are. <laughs> like, you can be uh, fucking quadriplegic. Straight up in a hospital bed, probably hooked up to machines. If you get killed by a sloth, that sloth fucking earned it and you you and frankly you deserve to die like i that, that's that's my take on the matter that is a hot take if you are killed by a sloth you deserve not it. only do you deserve it but that sloth deserves a pizza party like straight up like like it is hard for a sloth to fucking kill I a know. human and that human beyond deserve to die if a sloth killed them I know that we just came from the era of cocaine bear. Yeah. But holy shit, who greenlit this? <laughs> I know, right? Probably someone who saw cocaine bear. Right. Cocaine bear was great. It was. And they were like, I can do that. 
Speaking of horror, it has been confirmed that Scream 7 will be moving forward. The directors of Scream 6 actually will be moving to a producer role just because of scheduling. Mm. Um, so what they've done is they've tapped Christopher Landon, who's very well known in the horror community for both the Happy Death Day films mm-hmm. and the movie Freaky. Okay. The internet is losing their shit over this because yep. they think that he's wildly talented. And if he's going to bring that kind of meta commentary about horror, who mm-hmm. better to do it than somebody who writes meta commentary horror, right? For sure. Like, I don't think I've never seen Freaky, but the Happy Death Day series is fantastic. I've been meaning to watch those. It, it is a modern, it is very modern horror. It feels like yeah. fucking Gen Z horror. Mm. It feels like, 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 yeah. That is, it, it, it connects with the young audience in a way that I I don't think I expected from most horror. Right. The closest thing I can analog it to is um, uh, what was that zombie movie with Cillian Murphy? Warm Bodies. That like that's uh, the closest like analog I can think of. Good. Just yeah. like like teenage drama, coming of age, fucking horror. But he did it from a female perspective, which is even crazier. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, very, very cool. Yeah, so super excited about this. It's going to be a good time. Uh, end of the month, so who yeah. the fuck knows at this point. Um, so let's talk about what's coming up around the corner. So it's being reported from multiple sources that we are getting a successor a successor to the Nintendo Switch, and that's through devs who said they got their dev kits in the last couple of weeks, mm-hmm. and supposedly we're see- going to see a release of this console end of about 2024. Surprising, mm. yes, no? Surprising that there is a Switch 2? No, not at all. I, yeah. I hope they don't fuck with it. I hope we don't get, like, the Wii 2 or something. Or, like, they right. decide it's time to bring back the Virtual Boy or some crazy shit. Yeah. Like, seriously? So just- what, we, what we are hearing about it right mm-hmm. now from this, from sources, and this is multiple confirmed sources, mm-hmm. is saying that it does, it, at the very minimum, have the docking feature that the okay. Switch has. So this... Straight up says this is another kind of switch. This is a switch to. This is a sequel to what we currently have. Okay, yeah, and I mean that's that that's all that they need to do. If Nintendo did the smart thing instead of something quirky and creative with their new console for once, it would be Switch Two, right? Not like the Awebo or whatever they or whatever else they could make. If they do this right and just like let's do a more powerful switch so we can put more games on it because this thing is seven years old and a tablet yeah like yeah let's let, let's let's crank it out i can't wait for the switch 2 to come out so that there can be like a 60 fps version of tears of the kingdom instead right. of the 20 fps version that exists now right and not to get into the weeds about this it's a very fascinating time for nintendo to do the sequel to the switch a, because obviously it's been needing it for a while just due to the mm-hmm. lack of power that the Switch has. But more importantly, if you haven't been paying attention to what's going on in the digital space when it comes to portable gaming, mm-hmm. there is an arms race going on right now that oh, currently yeah. Steam is winning because oh, yeah. it's Steam, right? Valve is winning that race. Yep. But we are we are getting multiple handheld powerful devices we have the steam deck which is running effectively what a 3070 or 3080 yep. mm-hmm. um we just had like the asus the, uh, deck the, the, the asus rog handheld which is superior to the steam deck in apparently every way but also yeah. vastly more expensive right so we are in an interesting arms so it'll be I'm fascinated to see where Nintendo's going to land on this because Nintendo has really never tried to be the most powerful console out there right so, but they need to give they need to give it some a it little has, bit of juice. It has it needs to something. be at least as powerful as a Steam Deck, right? Or else, like the the the, the or else in, in in three or four years, it'll just be dead again. 
Exactly. Hmm. It'll be interesting to see how this whole thing plans out, but you know, I'm always rooting for Nintendo, but this is exactly what we said on the show six to eight months ago when we were talking about Tears of the Kingdom. We've always said like, hey, when you get a certain Zelda game on a console, Mm -hmm. you know it's the end of the console's life. Oh yeah. By the time you get to that second Zelda game, you're usually pretty sure another console's coming. Exactly. And that's exactly what we got when the Tears of the Kingdom, like, switch got released i'm like yeah oh hey big collector's item but this is this is the death knell of the switch they're gonna release this and then we're gonna get and you know what happened on the wii days is we had um we got i think it's twilight princess was the end of the Mm -hmm. uh gamecube era then got released for the wii in an up resed in air quotes version and i think that's what we're gonna see is we're gonna see a re-release of tears of the kingdom for this new console that's like hey it's gonna be running at 60 fps look how good it looks look at all the things it can do Mm -hmm. it's just yeah so look forward to that (laughs) all right what else we got for news this week uh microsoft has begun selling controller parts at its online store for its standard controllers and its elite series 2. this is part of a company-wide push towards repairability now you may say on the surface oh this is great microsoft is like providing more options for people to fix their own shit honestly this so if you look into the history of this this actually comes down to stuff that's going on over in europe right now Mm -hmm. europe has been pushing the right to repair laws and that's what this is this is microsoft preemptively saying hey we're going to give you access to these parts and let you repair things yourself Mm -hmm. so it could seem on the surface like oh it's so kind of them no they're they're they're, really they're they're getting ahead of like them being sued yeah exactly which I mean is great. Like it'd be awesome if every company did this. It mm. sounds like nearly every console has a massive problem with stick drift in their controllers. Oh, these days. absolutely a thing. So um, yeah, maybe just sell swappable sticks so that I can yeah. buy a new one for like ten bucks and pop it into my controller because, mm. or just make good fucking sticks. Or I don't just know. you know sell it. If only you know to that like I have sitting next to me my Mad Cat's fight stick from Street Fighter Four. I am now on my third Street Fighter game yep. with we are this on controller. Street fucking sick. And, and you know what? Sticks good. Sticks great. Mm-hmm. Love it. It is at attention. Yep. Good for that. All right. Moving on from stuff going on with Microsoft. Just some quick news about a couple very genre specific games this week. Mm. Uh, Remnant 2 is a sequel to a game that very few people actually knew about. Correct. And has sold over 1 million copies. And the D&D game Baldur's Gate 3 has over 400k players just hours after it launched yeah this is a good time to be a a not call of duty a not assassin's creed right. a not far cry yeah you're seeing games get huge audiences that they never would have otherwise mm-hmm. and as people who are currently playing remnant 2 mm-hmm. like every every evening that we get with us and our buddy ross like this is truly like some great gameplay if dark and, and I, I i'm so sorry that i'm gonna make this tired analogy <laughs> but they did it on purpose yeah if dark souls with a third person shooter this is that game mm-hmm. and i mean that in a the nicest way is in it's a great souls like mm-hmm. and also b in like this is exactly like a souls game there are fucking bonfires delight yep there uh, you know you can only upgrade in town you have to return to town the to do that. music the music Ooh. is dope the boss fights are so far some of the most creative I'd encountered mm. in a long time. Some of them are big, angry DPS checks. Some of them are puzzles. Some of them <coughs> are both at the same time. Yeah, we had a 
a, a boss that was entirely a puzzle recently where we go into this level and it's like this uh, this is going to sound so weird to say this there was a box attacking us yeah several and boxes. like several boxes attacking us and what you're supposed to do is like destroy the boxes that are attacking you by destroying the sides of them right and you had to like destroy a side so that it created a crater so that you could stand in the crater when it goes over you or you get one shot like straight twist. up one shot yeah like it is fa- like I, it is so rare that I have had a boss that engaging that we we died a lot in that encounter and at the Constantly. end of, and in the end of it I was like I had so much fun yeah 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 we must have done twenty attempts on yeah. that boss easily with three of us with all three of us and every all three of us yeah. had to die to reset that attempt yeah so yeah we probably did twenty attempts on that boss and our final attempt I think it was just uh, like. We would all die. And like the last four, I think I was the mm. only one left alive. And then there was two of us left alive at the end of the You last, were always last the last one. To yeah. Laugh. But like, man, what a cool boss fight. Mm. What an absolutely amazing boss fight. Very briefly. And one of many that we've done. Oh, yeah. Um, so definitely pick up Remnant. It's a lot of fun. Remnant it's a, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a Souls-like, but it does not penalize you for death. Right. You, so, you don't lose currency or anything. You're good. Yeah. You don't have to get back to your corpse. It nope. tells you where you died. Yep. But like, yeah, if you, if you want to stream it, stream it, play it with your friends. Like it is a fucking awesome game to play with friends. Yeah. So the second game I want to talk about, I want to talk about in context of just being the giant fucking nerd that I am. And that's Baldur's Gate. Yeah. Baldur's Gate 3 by Larian Studios. Baldur's Gate 3. So Baldur's Gate is a series that was originally owned by Bioware and Black Isle Entertainment. And they did things like, uh, the original Baldur's Gate games. Mm -hmm. They did, uh, Plain, uh, Planescape. There's a lot of there's a lot of great games like that that they that they handled. Yeah. But Larian, the group that brought us the Divinity games, mm-hmm. now has the license to D and D. And right now, if you are unaware of this, we are in the middle of a D and D renaissance. Oh yeah, because of things like Critical Role, D and D is at the forefront. People who have never played D and D, we are currently so there was a Dungeons and Dragons movie we went to. There see was recently. it was good. It was we great. currently work for a company that is not a tech company. We work for a health company mm-hmm. in which one of the people at our company is running a D&D game for people who have never played it before. Mm-hmm. Neither of us are playing in this game. Nope. He is just running it for other people and they are having a blast. Awesome. New people are finding D&D. And so what we have is a game that is, we already know that, that, that Baldur's Gate 3 is like hundreds of hours oh, and is a God. multiplayer game yeah. and is D&D and already has so many things going against it. But right now it is the hottest game on Twitch. Oh yeah. It is it it just came out today and everybody's excited about it. Yeah, and everybody's it had, it had hundreds and everybody hundreds wants to fuck a bear. Views. Yeah. You can Everyone just wants fuck to fuck a, a bear. Everyone wants to see where their character goes and how their story yeah. branches off. Mm-hmm. Uh there's something like two hundred hours of cutscenes in this game, and you will not experience them all in one playthrough. Mm-hmm. It is all dependent on what you do. Your single player campaign mm-hmm. may last fifty hours. Think about that when I say there are 200 hours of cutscenes in this game. Yeah. There's a lot you can do. There's a lot of branching paths. There's a lot of reasons to go back. Mm. You can be a dungeon master and create things out of this game yeah. the way you were able to in Divinity 2. Like, this is a massive, massive, massive RPG. Mm. And it's just straight up D&D systems and dice rolls, even though it's all happening beside behind the scenes. Mm. And, and like, Larian's an indie detail. studio. Oh yeah, yeah. And they, they, and they even said recently, like I didn't put it in the news, but Larian came out and said, like, yeah, we grew our studio to make this game, but mm. we still plan on remaining an indie studio. Oh yeah, 
Yeah, they didn't even really they they didn't do any monetization with this game. You pay for the game and you have the game. There's no that season pass. There's no Nothing. DLC. There like there could be DLC later. All Larian's ever done for DLC is um, uh, a definitive it, 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 like a definitive edition or an expansion. Yeah, where they and like they, they fix all the bugs and they're like we should have fleshed this out some more, so we did. Yeah, but the the patches come for free. Like if they do like an additional like expansion or something like it's very dirt cheap. Mm-hmm. Like it's Larian's a good studio and I'm happy. Such I'm so happy studio, for their success. And I cannot wait to buy this game and play it with my friends because that's what this game is. Yeah. It's computer D and D with badass magic spells and like dragon clerics and all the weirdness you want. You can fuck a bear and it, it's, and you can do it with your friends. Yeah, you can you fuck can, a you bear can tag with your friends. Bear with all of your best friends. And that's a thing you will have done together. Hector, and, I plan on fucking a bear with you. Oh, yeah, that, that, that will absolutely happen. <laughs> all right, we have so much good video game news this week. Of course, we got to have at least something bad because we can't have good things all week. Nope. The CEO and the president of the game publisher, Take Two Interactive, will make, in fact, a combined total of $72.3 million in compensation this year alone. This comes in on the heels of Take-Two Interactive pushing a $50 million cost reduction program. Read as such layoffs. Goddamn. Yeah, I I feel like, I mean, I'm not a mathematician Mm -hmm. by any means. But I feel like some of that money could have saved some jobs. Could have. Some people living in a tech city who can't afford rent, who will bomb the economy with their economic instability yep. will now need to go on programs and maybe lose their apartments and maybe not buy, mm-hmm. be buying food. How many families is that? Yeah. Like he couldn't have made $50 it's, 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 million? It's two, it's two people. So that cost is split between two people. Think about it. But even they couldn't the, have each made $25 million this year and given like 15 million to keep people employed. Yeah. They like what? What were they? What is so important that they? How much work did they do that they felt they deserved the extra money they took? I guarantee you, it's less than everybody else. People off. It's certainly less than every fucking crunching developer who makes any of their games Mm -hmm. by about forty hours a week. Mm -hmm. Because those people work hundred-hour weeks. And I know those people making seventy million a year are working twenty-hour weeks. I know it for a fact. Mm -hmm. Because that's how CEOs do it. Mm-hmm. What the fuck? It's fucked to think about though. You look at the numbers and you say, oh, they're going to make $70 million between the two of them this year because of their company. And guess what? There's probably a good chance the people at the bottom of their company are starving right now. Oh yeah, straight up. The Candom- people making the games. The people making the games can barely afford the cost of living in the city they live in. I'll guarantee you right. that. And then... Yeah, I, I will tell you that the the, the people that, am, that 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 are at the top making the millions have no idea what it's like down there. Absolutely, absolutely not. zero idea. Um, uh, we're gonna file this one under not only normal video game news, but also should be illegal. I, mean, I think I'm gonna make that a new segment on our show. Probably should be illegal. Absolutely. Yeah, let's make some illegal. laws about you know compensation. 
Finally this week, the FTC has suspended its administrative challenge to Microsoft Activision Blizzard's deal, meaning that it's very likely that Microsoft's purchase of Activision Blizzard will be going through fairly soon. If you have not been listening to our show or following the news at all, you would know the FTC is trying to was trying to stop uh, Microsoft from purchasing Activision Blizzard. It had nothing to do with about a monopoly. It literally had everything to do with Call of Duty. Call of Duty. Um, and... Yeah, basically the higher up court said, no, everything's good. Sorry, FTC, like let them do the thing. Sorry, guys. Call of Duty is only a monopoly on people's wallets. Exactly. (laughs) So expect the Activision Blizzard like buyout to happen fairly soon. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, we'll keep tabs on it. And honestly, like we've been saying for months, we want Microsoft to buy Activision Blizzard because we know the horrendous working conditions that people are making games that we love like Overwatch under. Yeah, it's it's, it's basically a, um, you know, the uh, lesser of two evils situation. Microsoft, pretty decent company to work for by all reports. Activision Blizzard, the Microsoft supports unions. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, they say they do. We will see how they Well, act. right. But they have they've come out on the record and said workers have the right to unionize. And mm. should a game developer decide they want to unionize, that is their right. Correct. But we also haven't seen anybody under Activision, uh, under Microsoft unionize yet. So we have to wait for the behavior. Yes. We will see how this breaks down. And yes, I'm not trying to be hopeful about it. No, no, no. No, but, I, I want to be hopeful about no. it. Again, it's pretty decent company to work for. And I hope they're treated right by Microsoft. I, I, but I know for a fucking fact that they will be treated better than they are by Bobby Kotick and God, fucking Activision yes. Blizzard. Again, Microsoft, pretty decent place to work. Probably a lot better than like Walmart or Starbucks or Target. Like, 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 like they, they hire talent and they expect them to perform. And mm. that's like that Microsoft. They, they, they want to cultivate people who know what they're doing, and mm. they want people who know what they're doing to work for them. Activision Blizzard is a fifth circle of hell where when you're not being overworked and underpaid, you're being sexually abused. Mm -hmm. So yeah, don't want to work there. Mm -hmm. And I want the leadership from Microsoft because they're who's on the table Mm -hmm. to be in charge of Activision Blizzard because the people in charge of Activision Blizzard now made a Cosby room. And if you don't know what that is, you maybe don't want to Google it. Yeah, don't. uh, Do uh, not Google that. Yeah, don't, don't. Um, yeah. yeah, because all of our love goes to the people who work at Activision Blizzard that are not the cor- the, the the corpos. Yeah, like our ga- those game developers work so hard to make quality products, and the circumstances they're working in are should be fucking illegal. Oh yeah, should be illegal. And that is everything that we have for the news this week. But stick with us when we come back from our break. We will be going into our main segment in the boss room. Star Wars. <laughs> Welcome back to the show, everyone. It is the boss room. It is our main topic for the week. Sometimes related to the news, sometimes not. All right. This has been a topic that has been on our minds for a very long time. Mm-hmm. I just finished Jedi Survivor. I've been so excited to talk about this. You wanted to talk about this with me. I, uh, we yeah. are we are going to talk about the Fallen Order and Survivor series. We are not going to go play by play. We are not going to hit all the story notes. What we are here to talk about is what these games do well, what we love about them, what they bring to the Star Wars canon that we love so much. Um, Because these games, I don't know what it is about them, but they've impacted me in a way that a lot of games narratives just simply haven't for a long time. Mm -hmm. When I picked up Jedi Survivor, I was excited because I missed the characters from the first game. Mm. I was attached to them and I didn't know that I was attached to them until I had the controller in my hands and I was about to play Jedi survivor. And I went, God, I, I, I wonder what they've all been up to. Yeah. 
Like yeah. part of my brain said, I wonder what they were up to. So let's talk about these two games. Again, we don't have to go story by story beat, but we are going to say we will talk spoilers accidentally. So yeah. let's talk about the EA Star Wars games. Hector, just lead us off because there's so much to discuss. Yeah, so I want to look like we obviously have to start with Fallen Order, which was the first one. EA's first outing into the single player space in a long, long time. EA, mm -hmm. knowing full well they were about to get fucking nuked by a Disney for just fucking the Star Wars franchise in the video game format for a decade. Oh, yeah. You know, just releasing predatory games that people just had poor opinions Battlefront 2. Battlefront 2 or releasing, you know, they, they released so much shit. There were some gems in there, like mm. Rogue Squadron. Sure. But, but, and, and, and certain aspects of the Battlefront 2 were fucking awesome. Yeah. But uh, that being said, that game had the most horrendous loot box system anyone has ever seen. I think they did like calculations at one point of what it would take, like unlike Darth Vader. Yeah, there's something like, like ten thousand like hours, hours of gameplay yeah. or something like literally a hundred years mm. if you don't spend money. Yep. And you know, Rogue Squadron was very, very cool, but mm. it's best played in VR. Mm. And if some people I think it was just called it Squadrons or something. Squadrons. Like that. Yeah. yeah. Some people kind of figure it's yeah. the only way to play that game. Mm -hmm. So uh, you kind of have to have VR to to, to make it good. So yeah. Squandering the Star Wars license, the thing that should be, by all accounts, they canceled thirteen thirteen, y'all. Thirteen thirteen. That was made by that was being made by Emmy Hennig. That was made being made by the lady who did Uncharted, who made Legacy of Kane. Yeah. Let's not forget that one. Let's not forget that. Like, that shit like, got canceled. That's that, fine. They canceled. And that this shit. was in the middle of EA, just a, pri a year prior to uh, Fallen Order coming out. Uh, EA basically came out and said. Uh, and you can look up the articles on oh, this. Yeah. They said single-player games are dead. Yeah, sing no one wants single-player games. And All yet, anyone wants is multiplayer games. Right. That's why they stopped the development of Titanfall 3 mm -hmm. to make Respawn work on Apex, Apex Legends. Legends. So EA, at this point in the history of video games, is saying single players don't work, but shit, we have to release this one Star Wars one that we've been working on for a while. Yep. And in comes Fallen Order, when just months before EA had been in the press as saying multiplayer games are the future, single player games are dead, and then Fallen Order walks in and drops Trow mm -hmm. and puts its giant lightsaber on the table... Talk about it, Hector. So, uh, my entire adolescence, I wanted a cool game about being a Jedi. Mm -hmm. I think when I was playing the very first Devil May Cry on my PlayStation 2, I was thinking, how cool would it be if this was a game about Star Wars? Mm -hmm. Or if we could get this into... I would want a Star Wars game to be like this. Yeah. Later, what, playing something, uh, you know, uh, in the PlayStation 3 era, mm -hmm. be like, man, Star Wars would be really cool if it was like this action game, like God of War, for mm -hmm. instance. Even later, playing something, uh, you know, as cool as The Witcher 3, how fucking amazing would it be to have an awesome open world game where I was a Jedi and I was mm -hmm. doing Jedi shit. Man, that would be dope. But in that time, in that entire span from the PlayStation 1, all the way through. We never got a fucking game where you could just be a Jedi doing Jedi shit with cool fucking Jedi sword combat. Mm -hmm. In walks Fallen Order. Mm -hmm. Now, Fallen Order bit off a big old chunk. 
and it had a lot to chew on. And was it completely successful? Eh, no, no, it's, it's going to have a, a few colon problems. Mm-hmm. But it really tried. It gave its 100%, and, 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 and you could feel that coming through the game. They said, let's make a not exactly open world game, but if we could do like a Dark Souls, if we could do like a Dark Souls 3, where there's like a linear pathway, but there are multiple places you can go. Yeah. And each place has a bit of a story. Souls adjacent. Souls adjacent. It is, yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, it's like we're going to have deliberate animation-based combat where if you want to be a Jedi, you got to fucking be a Jedi. You got to time your attacks right. You got to time your blocks right. Mm -hmm. You got to... Focus. You got to feel the force. You can. And I remember one of the things that caught me in the first trailer for this game. They showed it, and our main character, Cal Kestis, um, is being shot at by stormtroopers. And he, like, time freezes in front of him to stop a blaster bolt, grabs a stormtrooper, and then just impales the stormtrooper <laughs> on the blaster bolt. Yeah. And my brain went, Oh, I'm going to love this. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I think the most recent like Jedi foray we had was probably Force Unleashed. Mm. And that was an absolute, absolute power, power, star, absolute power fantasy. Power fantasy that yeah. was that like if you can make a God of War analog, I didn't even feel like I games, was I didn't feel like I was at risk of dying in the in um, the expansions for the original Force Unleashed. Mm-hmm. Um, a, you pull a star destroyer out, out of, of the sky. Thing. <laughs> um, if that's not too much force power, I don't know what is. But second, yeah. like by the time that Darth Vader shows up in that, you're just like, I'm just gonna kill you. Yeah, yeah. No, no. You, Darth Vader never felt like a threat in that game. Right. Like you were the god of AT-ATs war. ATATs didn't feel like a threat. No. Nothing, nothing felt like a threat. Yeah, you could and one pull of the things, fucking tie fighters out of the sky and throw them into buildings. Right. One of the things that I said back in the day on the show when we talked about the first episode, one of the first episodes of uh, God was it the Mandalorian. Mm. Or they had the episode where the ATAT shows up, where the oh, ATST yeah. shows up. Yeah, yeah, and, and it feels and, like and a it, problem. It's just the one. Yeah, and you were like, "Oh my god!" Oh, the one with the blue like, shrimp farm. Like, yeah, and like yeah. you, and like it. This it shows up, and at first your brain, because you've watched so much Star Wars, goes, "That's oh, just a fucking like ATST. Like, what the yeah. fuck is this I thing do?" Teddy bears kill one of those, and then you see the damage it can do, mm-hmm. and you it's go, a "Oh tank, shit!" Man. It's a fucking tank. Now I know why the Empire has these things. Mm-hmm. It's not a joke. And that's what Fallen Order did. It gave you an ATST and said, you're going to have to fight your way through this. Mm-hmm. And it's not as easy as you think it is. Just one of these yep. can kill you by stepping on you. Yep. Yeah, and like you're a Jedi, you are yep. a force to be reckoned with. But this thing, it's not a joke. It's not a and joke. You have to fight it. And yeah. they made that out of everything. They managed to make a game where you're a Jedi, but it's not a power fantasy, where you mm. you feel your mortality in every fight. You yeah. feel how this could go wrong and you could die, whether it's wildlife or whether it's the Empire, yeah. whether it's a stray bolt from a fucking aimless stormtrooper storm who just nails you right, or mm. if it's a fucking ATST. Yeah. Uh, you know, whatever it might be, uh, you're like, like you could fucking die because mm-hmm. you're fighting. And that's how they made the game. Was the combat amazing? No. The best description I ever heard of it was like, what if Sekiro's combat sucked a little bit? Mm-hmm. And that's kind of how it felt. There was jank to it for sure. But remember, this is a first single player outing from a team known for making Call of Duty. Mm-hmm. Like that's where Infinity Ward came from and that later became Respawn with like 
Vincent Impala and like the whole crew and they wanted to make and then they had to make Apex Legends because Titanfall wasn't doing as well as Yeah, it like like Jedi Fallen Order was kind of their I know this is a, a Hollywood kind of analogy mm-hmm. the all right, we've done a couple for you, this is for us. Yeah, exactly. They're like right. we're going to make a Jedi game that we would want to play. Yeah. And they fucking do it. And you know what? They not only did they make a really fun game to play, which it was, mm. full of like like again, it it felt like not only like if if a Jedi game was Souls, but also a little bit if it was Uncharted. Yeah. You get this young upstart Jedi character, Cal Kestis, who like they give us all the lore that we want. They give us Order sixty six. We know mm-hmm. what happened to him. Yes. You know, as soon as the, you know the Jedi all fell, we know where he ended up, and we know where he's going from there. And man, does that story really take off? Like the we talk often yeah, outside of the show talk about great moments in video games because that's what we we we're around each other like 24 mm-hmm. 7 mm-hmm. so we have these discussions and even today we were talking about i can't remember what game it was but it was just like oh yeah that game has like the best like opening to a fucking game like it's just so fucking good yep. and when i think about that i think about jedi fallen order where at the beginning of the game you see your character cal Kestis, Unknown. Nobody mm. in this game is famous. Nope. It is an unknown character, brand new for yeah. this game. The most famous He's Star Wars got, character you see in this game yeah. is Saul Guerrero. Yeah, and you have, like, he has headphones on, his head is down, and he's just doing his job and you get this music that comes in and I'm familiar. I was familiar with this band before this game. Um, they're called the who the, uh, the HU that's a, uh, a Chinese, uh, yeah, band. they're uh, like, like, they're not quite Mongolian. You're, but they're no, no, you're right. Mongolian. They're, yeah, Mongolian. Mongolian. They're, they're a throat singing. Band. Yeah. And they're like Mongolian throat singing metal. Yeah. And they do covers by the way. You can listen to like some of their Metallica covers and a holy fucking shit. This band. And, they use them as the audio for the intro to the game. And it almost kind of sets the tempo it does. for everything going forward after that. Yep. And you have a character who has nothing. He is working on a junk planet, doing junk things, trying to keep his head down, trying to not be a Jedi because order 66 has yeah, happened. The empire is everywhere and they yep. will fucking kill you. Yeah. And then we get Cal Kestis. What I want to talk about next that I think is one of the most important thing about these two games. Cause I don't want to go beat by beat. Obviously I said that is I want us to discuss the cast, the, the, yeah. the, the main cast, the cast on the ship, mm-hmm. the cast that is the reason that we play the game and the reason that we come back to it. So tell yeah. us a little bit about some of the characters and why you love them so much. Yeah. So you get this crew, like as soon as you realize the empire is going to hunt you and it's time to like find and maybe join the rebellion, you start getting introduced to a lot of characters. Um, one of the first of which is uh, is another survivor, another Jedi. Um, and she has this whole fucking pacifist run fucking going. Like she doesn't, she doesn't want to fight. You know, she's happy to plan things, but she doesn't want to be around any of that. She just wants to be peaceful, be a Jedi. And like, yeah, it's a time of war, but... You know, it's not worth people's lives. You get this cast of amazing characters from all over the galaxy who just fucking hate the Empire and just hate fascism, you know? And that's then, then, then that's what the whole thing is about. You get, you know, Grease, who is, you know, a, a slightly washed up older alien fellow with multiple arms, you know, but he's an amazing pilot. And he has this incredible ship and you're, you know, it's, it's time to fucking go on your way on it because you need to go from place to place because Cal has some business. 
when people find out that he's a Jedi and he's willing to fight, suddenly he's very useful to the rebellion. You you get all kinds of just like some of the best characters you've ever met in this thing. One of my favorite characters, obviously, if you know me, is Marin. Marin for sure. Marin is the is a night sister, and if you're unfamiliar with Star Wars lore, uh, to put it in very basic terms, they're witches. They're witches of the Star Wars universe. They use the Correct. Force, um, but they're kind of. They, they, they dabble in the dark arts. And Marin is a character. A lot of the, the, the thing about Jedi Fallen Order and Survivor that I love so much is that we ride the gray mm-hmm. in this. And that's one of the reasons I love it. So prior to these games and prior to some of the more modern Star Wars stuff, to be perfectly honest, I got fucking sick of Jedi. Oh, yeah. Like, like Jedi yeah. can be such incredibly boring characters. Yeah. I was, I would think I was saying this to you earlier. Like, I like Liam Neeson a lot. Qui-Gon Jinn is one of the most boring characters I've ever seen right. in my entire life. He's just yeah. a Jedi who, like, he's like, oh, yeah, well, the rules, but also, like, a little bit, you know, maybe not the rules. And, like, yeah. like that. that's it. Like, there's nothing interesting about that. Right. And the thing that Fallen Order and Jedi Survivor do when they talk about Cal Kestis as a Jedi who is on the run trying to avoid the Empire is the, the couple questions that it asks is, who becomes your family when you can't trust anybody? Mm-hmm. That's what the point of Fallen Order, right? It is about found family, like in a James Gunn level of good oh, found yeah. family. Yeah, like you are, you're a rebel and you're traveling across the galaxy with, you know, the people who just share your ideals. Yeah. Um, Siri the Jedi and, you know, uh, Marin and, uh, you know, no, no, like everyone that you can get yeah. in your crew. Um, you BD one, the little droid. Who oh, won't leave we haven't even side. talked about how great BD one yeah, is. Like, holy he's shit! Like, he feels like a part of your character, but yeah. he is his own character. Mm-hmm. He has a personality. He he is uh, this game's version of R two. Yeah, but you know he's like thoughtful and like I- interested mm-hmm. in what's going on, and all he wants to do is help. Yeah. And it's it's just it's so so cool. Yeah, it's so cool. and so th- we're in Fallen Order. The idea is. How do I, what is my found family when I am ostensibly ostracized from the galaxy? Who are the, the, the people who also kind of live outside of society that I can bond with? Mm-hmm. Um, and then that kind of leads into uh, Survivor, which is, you know, what do we do as a found family to move forward? And what you find is that in Survivor, the family has split. Right. Everybody has their own goals, things that they want to accomplish. Yeah. There's ways that they want to fight the Empire, but everybody wants to do it in a different way. Right. They're and, all the rebellion, but, you know, they and, have to they have to go. And that was one of the most jarring things for me because, like I said, I was so excited to play Survivor because I was like, God, I can't wait to get back to these characters. I can't wait to see how the, how the family is doing. Mm-hmm. And you get... A couple hours into it, and at some point you realize, oh, they're not together anymore. Nope. Cal's doing his own thing. The family is out all on their own. They all split to different parts of the galaxy. And Mm. yeah, it it feels empty nesty. It feels feels like that bit when you first open the door and gone home, Mm. like expecting to see your family and no one's in the house. Yeah. Like that's that's how the beginning of that game feels. Greece is one of the best. Uh, all the characters are so good, but Greece is the pilot. You were talking about that earlier. He's also the cook. Oh, um, yeah. He very much cares about 
everybody on this ship. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I kind of mentally relate him to the person who cooks lasagna on the uh, expanse. Oh, my, my, yeah. my brain is yeah, not yeah. getting names. Um, <laughs> he's the heart of, of the whole thing. Yeah. And in Jedi survivor, when Cal finally gets back with Greece, who has opened a bar, mm-hmm. has, has retired from piloting. Yep. Everybody else has gone their own way. Marin's gone in her own way into the galaxy to fight the empire. How yeah, she wants Siri to went to go do Jedi stuff. Yeah. Um, um, there's this conversation that happens between Greece and Cal where it, it's so heartbreaking because they're talking and, you know, Greece is finally piloting again and he's driving Cal around and he looks at him almost the kind of way that a father or a brother looks at somebody in their family who they know is going down a not good road, but can't call that specific thing out. And Cal is just like, I have to keep fighting. I've got to keep fighting. I've got to rebel. I've got to do things better. And we can, we can fix the galaxy. We can fix it. We can fix it. And at some point, Greece looks at him and he's just like, after we win this fight, we are going to a planet to do a thing and and blah, blah, blah. He Mm -hmm. goes, and then what? Yeah. And then, and and then Cal goes, the next fight I have the next fight, the next fight against the empire. And he goes, okay, but then what? He's like, well, I mean, the empire is still standing at that point. We have to keep doing what we can. He's like, at what point do you find time for yourself and your family? And Cal goes, I can't, I'm a, I'm a Jedi. It's my responsibility Mm -hmm. to, to take the bad out. And Greece is just like, for whose benefit? Yeah. When do you get to take care of yourself? And that is a message that personally hit very home with me. When you are too busy taking care of everybody else, when do you find time to take care of yourself? And I am not saying this is a compliment. I'm saying this is a negative. That is something that I am, that I have done in my own life. Mm -hmm. I have been too busy worrying about others to take care of myself. And that is not good. It is, I have not taken care of myself. I've let myself slip into darker places and in, yeah, it's not as easy as light in the dark side, but mentally I'm like, well, you know, I'm taking care of other people, so I don't need to worry about my own health and well-being and and all of these things that we do need to be thinking about as individuals. We do need to be taking care of ourselves. But I got Cal in that moment because taking care of everybody else for some people is easier than taking care of yourself. And I'm one of those people. Yeah. It's easy to lose yourself in a calling and like, you know, just forget what does it matter? What does it matter that I forgot dinner today? As long as I made sure that my friend got to where he was going, even though it put me out for a couple hours. Exactly. You know, uh, you know, you're just, there's, there will never be a, 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 a lack of people to take care of. Right. And if that's all you do, you know, and no one's taking care of you and you're not taking care of you. Mm-hmm. Like that's absolutely like, that's such a, like you said, when we're talking about family, starting Jedi survivor off with such a fucking familial note, like, yeah. but how are you doing? Right. He literally shows up at the bar and is like, hey, yeah, no, I'm doing rebellion stuff. And he's like, you look fucking awful. Yes. I made you a room. I have a whole room for you. Mm-hmm. I specifically made it for you. Meditation go chamber, everything. Go in there and go to sleep. Yep. Take a shower, go to sleep. And he's like, I can't. I got to like, no, this first. Yeah. Go in there, clean up, go to sleep. Yeah. We will talk later. 
Yep. And yeah, it's just the, 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 the for, most for, like familial thing. For me in fiction, Star Wars or not, some of the stuff that is the most powerful to me, and this is one of the things I love about The Expanse, mm-hmm. um, is quiet moments. Oh, yeah. It's so easy in big bombastic sci-fi to be like, oh, it's all guns and laser swords and all these things. But some of the best moments in The Expanse, in the books and in, in show, were the dialogue that happened over the dinner table. Mm-hmm. And that's what this moment is. That moment with Greece and Jedi Survivor where he goes, right now, you don't have anybody but to save. Mm-hmm. You go downstairs, you shower, you eat, you go to bed, yep. we will talk tomorrow. Yep. And that says more about that character in that moment than any amount of piloting that he can do. Mm-hmm. Straight up. So when I was talking about Fallen Order, I said, well, what if we did a Souls? And like when we get all the way to Survivor, the gameplay changes slightly. They tightened up the combat mechanics. They extrapolated out, giving you new powers, new lightsaber stances. They added, of the, you know, the Kylo Ren big swing so stance. That was so much fun. They, they added, added dual wielding. A dual My wielding, favorite. which is all anyone wanted from the yep. other game. And then they added a fucking swashbuckling pirate fucking... Jedi, my with favorite a stance. Short saber in one hand and, and a, a blaster in the blaster other. In the other, and your whole thing was to weave blaster and saber together while you murdered the shit out of things. It was so good. They made the combat so much better. They made it so mm. much fun. And then they expanded the game out to open world. Yeah. So uh, one of the things I want to talk about the about the blaster stance is not just a hey, there's this stance that you do as a Jedi where you wield a blaster and have a sword. There's a thorough line, a thread that exists through Jedi Survivor that the game is always asking the question to people who love Star Wars, and that's but why? Yeah. And so there's a scene where you're with a. Bode, yeah. um, who is this kind of Mandalorian style kind of character. He's not a Mandalorian. He's a mercenary, he's, but, he's, yeah. but he has a jetpack and a blaster. He's got the whole, the whole thing. And at some point, Bode looks at you and hands you a blaster. And Cal's first response to this blaster is, my master doesn't approve of these kind of weapons. Right. Like we, I'm a Jedi. We don't do this. We don't do this. Mm-hmm. And his response is, the Jedi are dead. Who are yeah. you beholden to? Right. Like, like, why would, like, that seems like a really old rule for a bunch of people who are dead now. Right. So we talk about, and I'm, I'm going to get really fucking like deep about this one. We talk about the concept of nostalgia, right? We talk about things that we do in our daily lives as human beings that we do because our parents or the people before us did those things. And that's just the way that you do them. Yeah. Fucking tradition. We are tradition is being beholden to the ghosts of the past. Even if ghosts don't exist. Peer pressure from dead people. It is peer pressure from dead people. And that is such a big thematic element of this because the Jedi are gone. Yep. And Cal in the first game is trying to just be a Jedi to the purest extent that a Jedi is a Jedi. And in the second game, we ask the question, what is a Jedi if there's nobody to teach them? Mm-hmm. And so he takes the blaster from Bode and he learns a new stance in which he uses the blaster and a lightsaber at the same time because... What is that? And later in the game, this comes back up again when him and Marin are together 
and they've been separated for a long time. She's gone off and fought the empire. She's called like the ghost of the desert or something. Correct. Yeah. Like she's a, she's, she's a night sister and she's fucking, she's a, she's a legend. Yeah. Yeah. Like Russian goth girlfriend is the best. She's the ghost of Tsushima. Right. For all intents and purposes. And they're talking. And at some point Cal comes up to her and goes, essentially what he says is I'm ready to be with you and love you. Right. And she says, but I thought your order forbade you from doing that. Mm -hmm. And his response is, there is no order anymore. Yeah. He just kind of gets it. He gets it. That lesson from the beginning of the game Mm -hmm. pays dividends when he goes to confess his love to the person he cares the most about. Mm -hmm. Fuck, that was powerful. It's so good. Yeah. And so much of Survivor is about not only family and loss of family. It's also the, it plays with the idea of the force, not necessarily being good or bad. There's a lot of that that's discussed. Um, we said spoilers. So you, we find out that Bode is a Jedi who's working for the empire to hunt down other. Technically a Sith now. Now, I guess. But no, but that's the thing is that he's not, he's not in it for the power. He's not, his lightsaber isn't red. His lightsaber is red. No, it's orange. What's not? No, is, is his red? His is red. Oh, it was yours the, is the, orange. The, there's the other Jedi, the, the one arm Jedi that has the orange one. Correct. Yeah. But Bode's whole thing is he's not bad for the sake of power and being bad. He right. is using these powers because all of his people have been hunted down and killed. Mm-hmm. He wants to save his daughter. Yep. He is not evil because lightning fingers. He is using the power of the dark side to get the fuck away, give the empire what he wants so that his daughter can have a better life than he has. Mm -hmm. And if you don't feel and can relate to that, even if you're not a parent, Oh yeah. His story, you go, fuck man. Yeah. I'd fucking lightning some thing. I'd lightning finger some people for my best friends. He's not trying to rule anyone. He just wants to get away. Mm -hmm. He wants to get away from the empire. He wants, and if the Jedi are holding him back from that, he will fucking cut them down. Yeah. He just wants, he just wants to, you know, for his family to be safe and nothing else matters. And that, is what leads him to the dark side. And it's so hard to wonder what the dark side is to them if that's mm. the case. Right. You know what I mean? Like it's a it's a incredibly sympathetic villain. Mm. Incredibly sympathetic villain. And one of the best twists I've seen in a very long Absolutely time. one of the best twists. Holy fucking shit. Didn't yeah. see that coming. So why are we talking about this? Why did we make a whole boss room specifically about these two games and the fact that we had a good time and played some games, right? Great Star Wars. If stuff. you are listening to this and you've never played these games before, I'm going to talk a little bit about myself and my okay. own uh, history with the Star Wars series. So obviously, I watched the original trilogy growing up. I watched the prequels when they came out. Mixed reception for the prequels. Then the later movies came out, and I wasn't a huge fan. Now, by the time the later movies had come out, like Episode Seven. I honestly, I, I had played a ton of Star Wars games growing up. I played the SNES games. I played the Dark Forces games. I played, I played a lot of fucking Star Wars games. And mm-hmm. my favorite actually being TIE Fighter. I loved, uh, at the time, by the way, let's do another one of those of the time things. For I was sure. really cool into the aesthetic of the Empire. Now I am an adult going, oh God, fascists are a, a real thing. I am not into this anymore. Yep. Um, but at the time, like, it was cool. Like, the Empire dressed snazzy. It was okay. Mm-hmm. Um 
but I was so tired of Jedi because Jedi were always portrayed a certain way. I, yep. I finally, after years of, of not wanting to read them, listened to the audiobooks for the, uh, the previous extended universe. Um, and Jedi were always the same and always boring and mm. just, this is, oh no, I can't love and yeah. I can't do these things because this is what it means to be a Jedi. Mm-hmm. And I just, I was done with it. And that's the thing is that I, whenever I, so there was a couple opportunities in my life where I got the chance to play the, the, um, Star Wars tabletop RPG. Mm-hmm. And when I did, um, I didn't want to play a Jedi. The one time that I did play a Jedi, I played a, what's considered a mixed class by D and D standards. Right. Um, I played a scoundrel uh, Jedi and I did not use my Jedi powers ever. In fact, I specifically created a character that repressed his Jedi powers mm. until he was stressed out because I didn't want to play a Jedi. Right. He was a scoundrel. He was a Han Solo style character. Mm. I was bored with Jedi because Jedi were boring. Mm-hmm. Along comes this game and teaches you that Jedi have depth and pathos and they struggle with the path that they're on. And not like in an Anakin, oh, I can't love you, Padme, kind of, oh, no. No, 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 no. no. Like, Cal Kestis is being haunted by the ghosts of the past. He's hearing his master in his head saying, you're not allowed to love because that's the path of the Jedi, that's the path of the Force. Mm -hmm. And in opposition to him, we have goth Russian girlfriend who completely utilizes the Force, and the the Force is not light or dark to her. Mm -hmm. It is a tool. Right. And so he has to deal with the fact the woman he loves wields the Force as a tool, not as something that's black and white. And that's fascinating because... She knows that he views he views the force in black and white. And therefore, in Jedi Survivor, there is a moment where Cal Kestis breaks, mm-hmm. where he has lost everything. And the only way to get out of his situation is to ostensibly embrace the dark side. Oh, yeah. And at the end of it, after he's like, there's no other way to put it. He murders the whole group. Oh yeah. It is. It, it is a, uh, yeah. It, it, him tapping into the dark side reveals what, what, what it, the Sith always say, uh, a level of power you couldn't imagine. Right. And when he gets to Marin, she looks at him, even though she's found balance in the force, the force is mm-hmm. not black or white to her. Right. She looks at somebody who does think of it in those terms and her eyes, in her eyes, she goes, you let me know when this happens again. Mm-hmm. Because you're not meant to wield power in this way. Right. You haven't been taught to wield the force in the gray. Mm-hmm. You've been taught the black and white. And it's so subtle and so powerful the way their interpretations of the force work. And, and like I, I was saying at the beginning of this whole speech that I'm giving is that Jedi are so often so boring because they're always the nobility. They're always the goodest. And oh no, the stories that we got of, oh no, he fell in love with a, a, a thing and blah, blah. No, like that's, it's cliche. It's it been is. done. We've, we've done it. That's it's black and white. It's, it's 2d. What they do with Cal Kestis is give depth to what the force is, what it means and what it means to be beholden to religion and the ghosts of our past Mm -hmm. and how it can stop you from winning a fight and how it can affect you 
in your ability to even interact with your own reality. Mm-hmm. Like if you're trying to do a thing as a Jedi when a Jedi wouldn't or couldn't do this thing. Yeah. What does it mean that you have to do this thing? Are no. you not that thing anymore or are you a different kind of that thing? No. Like, yeah, yeah. I it's 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 brilliant story writing. It it it, it creates a Cal character. Kestis deserves his own movie, series, anything. The actor he is Cal Kestis. They didn't yeah. they didn't do a weird model with him. It's literally a one for one of the actor. Yeah, they do that a lot in this series, by the yeah. way. There's a lot of really great actors that just appear and do full voice and yep. mocap and it's very much like uh uh something in the vein of uh the last of us but you know uh with the actual like actor's face mm-hmm. like like they are doing this to the nines and it is so good they're getting such great actors to do it and yeah cal kestis is probably one of the most outside of fucking andor because andor had to come along and be the best thing in star Wars. right um Outside of Andor, Cal Kestis is the most fully fleshed out, most human character mm. we have. Yeah. And especially by far the most fully fleshed out and actually human character we have as a Jedi. Yeah. A big part of Jedi Survivor. So if if Jedi Fallen Order was about family and found family specifically, Jedi Survivor is about finding a home. It's finding a home when you're an outcast and not to get like too pretentious about this for a lot of us nerds. That's kind of a big thing for us. Oh yeah. Finding uh, your people is, is a, lot a journey. Of, a lot of it is finding our people and then finding a home for our people. Right. We found each other because we work in the tech industry. Yep. A lot of the people that I found growing up is being a little nerdy goth kid was learning to LARP being around the theater kids, the, my, those were my found family. And so the, the whole point, the thorough line in Jedi survivor is, and this is what, when a, when a story is done well, star Wars or not, it's, you see the same story reflected in the quote unquote, good guy and the bad guy. And you see both Bode and Cal striving for the same goal. They want the same destination, yep. like literally the same planet they're trying to go to because they want their people to be safe, but they approached how they did that thing in such vastly different ways. And by the end of it, it's just, it's fucking tragic. And story stuff aside, I, I, there's a couple more things I do want to talk about very briefly, just about the games themselves that I love and that's very small things like in the second game you had, or in the first game you had to unlock like all the lightsaber colors right in two they give them to you oh yeah you just have them in one you earned all these powers in two you still have them where most games try and take your powers away they don't in this one yeah they 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 tamp they they damp them down and you have to re-earn the big levels of them but you still have force, push, yeah. pull, throw, all that stuff. Yeah, all the stuff you earned in the first game, it doesn't feel like it went away. Jedi don't get less powerful. Right. Like, it, you, when you're there, when you when you know the thing, you know the thing. And that's, yeah, it was a great gameplay decision. Yeah. Um, in the second game, there's a big element to it where you're essentially building a town. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're finding and, people out in the wilderness and saying, hey, 
if, if you want to be our found family, yep. I've got a place for you to go. Yep. And I've got something for you to do there. Yep. Because we need help. From the gardeners to just the people at the bar. Yeah, the people is... at the bar, the person who's just there to put fish in the fish tank in the yep. bar. From Who the, is, by the way, one of the best characters in all of Survivor. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sco- scuba, scuba Steve is, like, so good. Scuba Steve is the best. Turgle's the best. Yep. Um the DJ combo, oh, of the, the DJ. droid and the lady who's just, the, like the the, the 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 DJ droid working the fucking discs, and mm-hmm. like the DJ lady who's like his publicist who's also curating yep. the track list. Like that's a great fucking character. Yeah. To the bounty hunter broker who's like, oh, I've got some bounties for you. Maybe you can find them. Like, why Why didn't you help? I, the person I, I, that the no moment you the moment that you met them, you went, they're a little bit shady. Yep. And then you get to the end of the game, you're like, yeah, you know yeah. what? <laughs> they, they watch you fully get attacked by a mercenary and you're like, oh, well, if you wanted me to fight mercenaries, why didn't you help? It is, no one paid me to. So the thing about Jedi Survivor, and, 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 and we talked about this, uh, so previously when we were talking about Jedi... Um, Oh God, the, the force unleashed is that when, when people that are famous in air quotes in the star Wars universe show up, it's kind of for fan service. It's like, Oh, Darth Vader showed up. I'm going to be Darth Vader. Luke Skywalker. I'm going to be Darth When people from the star Wars universe show up in Jedi survivor, it has impact. When Darth Vader shows up in fallen order, he kicks your ass. You do not get to win that fight. No, you you couldn't possibly win that fight. And like you, you, it was doomed from the beginning. You have no ability to fight Darth Vader. He is your absolute grand master of yeah. unequal when he shows up in survivor he kicks your ass yep yeah he i mean yeah he, he's, he's going to win the fight and he's gonna win it by being fucking darth vader and when boba fett shows up in survivor it is not a one-off cameo it feels natural to that character that he showed up in that moment and said yeah by the way i'm just stealing this bounty from you this mm-hmm. is what i'm doing so i'm gonna, I'm gonna take uh, this and go. so here's the deal i know you're a jedi i could take you in right now for a bunch of money or you can be left alone while i take this bounty in and mm-hmm. we just part ways yeah and it feels so natural for the character that he would just negotiate like that yep like i don't want to fight you right now so uh how about you stay here yeah you yeah. stay here i'll take this and we get the fuck out yep. and I'm, I'm cal's like paid you go home yep and cal's like yeah i'm gonna get the fuck out mm-hmm. let's do that oh so much love for this stuff um i want to wa- wrap this whole thing up we've been going for a while about it let's talk just very briefly hector what is some of the stuff that you just love about these games in general i think my favorite thing about these games as a whole um my favorite thing about this franchise is that i fucking can't wait for the next one that's not a lot of games give me the cliffhanger i texted you the moment i finished the game (laughs) and my response was that's where they ended that's the end it's like yep yep that's that the credits rolled didn't they yep yeah no but and it's not just a cliffhanger it's just that i want to spend more time in this world i want to spend more time with these characters my favorite thing about the game is that it gave me a Jedi who's an actual human being character that I give a fuck about and I give a fuck about the decisions they're going to make because yeah. like you know I would be conflicted too and mm-hmm. it's so hard to write it, it, at least it's been impossible so far to write a Jedi character who it wasn't like oh you know what they're gonna do right. I sat through all of Obi-Wan never once wondering what he was going to do right he was always gonna be a good guy start to finish yeah just Obi-Wan. With, with, with Cal it's like you know He's in a war. War is messy. He's a rebel. There's an empire. Everything he does yeah. is in the gray. And like mm-hmm. he's slowly learning that. What is he capable of? What's yeah. going to happen next? The thing 
What I love about this game the most is that it gave me a Star Wars story, much unlike both prequel trilogy, both both trilogies and the original, where I was like, ah, I just I, I just want more. I just want to spend more mm-hmm. time with these specific characters. Yeah, and I'm just excited for a Star Wars story which I haven't been as far as the movies are concerned in a while. Mm. Some very good Star Wars stuff. Obviously, we've talked about Andor. Rebels is a big one for me. Mm. Mandalorian's been decent. Mandalorian is good, but Mandalorian is popcorn. And, I, mm. and there's absolutely a time and a place for popcorn, and I yeah. love it, and it's great. And it can be very intriguing, but it ends the way it ends, the way every Western ever ended, the right. way every, you know... Um, a pulp fiction novel ever ended. It was, you know... Intentionally that way. Yeah. And this feels deeper. This feels like more of a story, more of an engaging story. Mm -hmm. It's giving us a fucking saga of a Jedi character that is deep and a little dark and pretty complex. And the thing that made that Jedi dark is fucking war with the Empire. And that's fucking cool. One of the things about this game series that... I know that we live in a time where we're trying to make video game adaptations and a lot of them kind of suck because they just have right here. It's all right here. Yeah, This is the uncynical. This is uncynical. This is this right here. You could turn this into a series. You have the actors right in front of you. Start making this right now. Yeah, please. Because Cal is such a deep and profound character. Every character, not since like I get the, I do not like Joss Whedon as a person, but he had a way of doing like these grand, like multi-character kind of stories mm-hmm. like Firefly. Yeah. That's what the Jedi survivor games feel yeah, like. Ensemble cast. Uh, yeah. Ensemble stuff. cast shit. Yeah. And that's what I love about this is that while I was playing Jedi survivor and I'm with, you know, Bode and we're going through Coruscant and all this shit, I'm thinking to myself, having played fallen order going, Where's my family at? Mm-hmm. Why are why are they not here? Yeah, yeah. Who are you? Like, right. Why are you here? You. And right? it's funny because it's probably the feeling that Cal had about a lot of it. Yeah. yeah. I think the things that I love about this is it gave me a Jedi, like you said, that's human. It gave me a, a very relatable Star Wars story. Yeah, sure. There's laser guns and laser swords and whatever. But at the end of the day, it's a story about people trying to find their people and what we do to protect our people. And that, if nothing hits so home to me. Absolutely. That is everything that we have for the show this week. Don't forget that you can head over to goodnight.ggd to become a patron of our show. You can head over to facebook.com slash gngdcast where you can chat with us as well as at gngdcast on Twitter or now it's X or whatever the fuck ever to talk to me. It's still, when you type the URL, it's still twitter.com. Please Tell me all the things that you love about Star Wars. And if you've played these games, like, please give me your opinions about them because I'm emotionally invested in these games, damn it. Oh, yeah. But until next time, for Hector, this is James. And for James, this is Hector. Everyone, good night. And good game. May the Force be with you.